You're listening to the Antos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories and the pursuit of being and truth. I'm Vaughn. And I'm Mac. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music. He was no simple soldier. He was a force of leadership, a man that fate itself seemed to support. He left ruin in its wake, but it was forgotten. He created kingdoms and then destroyed them as he made the world anew. Alindi, Alindi, Alindi. All right, so we get to see what happens with Straff. The final, the the the, the big conclusion to the Straff plan with Ellen. Yeah. So uh, Straff starts bluffing that he and Seth have already met up and they're working together. And the reason I call it a bluff is because, well, Ellen calls it a bluff. He's like, there's no way that's actually happening. There's no way Straff would leave someone that close to his own power alive. There's no way he would work with someone that close in his own power. So he's like, no, he's lying. There's no way that's actually happened. And Ellen does a really good job, like this last-ditch effort, essentially, of trying to convince Straff to be allies. But it really kind of pokes through that. But it really kind of pokes through that, like, Straff just hates his son. Like, Ellen's like, all of this should be working. Everything I said should be playing Straff like a fiddle. Yet, here he is. He all, he, And here's the thing. Everything he said up to this point always seems to get catch Straff's attention. But then Straff like thinks about something and then lets it go. Mm -hmm. And it's, he's just like, why isn't this working? And the only thing that makes sense at this point is that Straff just hates his son. And he, every single time he goes, that's a good idea. No. And that's essentially what he says. He says, I made a mistake leaving you back in the city. If I would have stayed, I would have been king, not you. I guess it seems that a weak venture is still, you know, better than all the alternatives. But like, I made this mistake and, you know, if I could have, you'd be dead and I'd be king. That simple. And Ellen's like, well, that kind of uh, is bad. And, and you know, Straff decides, I'm going to pull my guards in. I'm done with you. I'm going to kill you. And he's like, le legitimately legit about it, right? I'm going to kill you now. Well, because even Ellen said, like, I was never going to be, oh, you were yeah. never going to let me live, were you? Yeah, no matter what I did. And Straff was like, no, it's just not going to happen. And Straff says something truly horrific that makes Ellen laugh. He says, you know, after you're dead... I'm going to force myself on Vin, you know, and we'll see what goes on there. And Ellen just breaks out laughing at the thought. He's like, you really think that you would ever be able to do that? And he just lets loose on Straff. Like, he breaks the facade. He's no longer the weak. He's no longer playing the weak son. He lets it all go, calling Straff a terrible, basically terrible person and anything he can to insult the man. And right before, um, uh, this, it's all said and done, and his soldiers come in to finish the job. It clicks in Ellen's head. He knows how to deal with Straff up to this point. He just goes, if you kill me, father, you die too. And this is a cool little power flex. You know, yeah, he, go for he, it. He starts yelling. He, he, he basically starts, uh, Vin's listening in this whole time and, you know, uh, says that she's been manipulating him. She's been using his, uh, manipulating his emotions and, uh, 
tells and Straff is like he's like I, he, he doesn't believe it and he's like oh really well isn't it weird how you came in here and you saw and you dismissed her the one who killed the lord ruler and you just you know, suddenly you felt so confident and so in yourself and then he starts saying like fear anger you know and and and, and, and Vin starts writing those emotions and soothing everything else and then like he she crushes him just do flare gets duralamine up and soothes his emotions completely away, and she can see that he stumbles as a result. He, he feels completely numb, and she uh, and he was. He, Ellen's basically like, "Yes, she is that powerful." Yeah, he basically goes like, "I, you know, you were so confident about this. Do you really think I was that stupid that I'd walk in here without a plan like this? I brought, I came in here knowing what could possibly happen because I need to get my misborn close to you." And so this is when Straff like realizes like he is in trouble. He's like I he's like it doesn't matter what you bring in here, she will kill you, and she will kill all of your generals, and you'll take care. Yeah, there's there's nothing you're gonna be able to do about it. Yeah. She is too strong. Yeah, he's like I have a Mistborn, you know, I can't be scared. And he goes, Oh, you're Mistborn? Why hasn't your Mistborn killed her yet? And Straff thinks back to the conversation he had with Zane, where Zane's like, "I don't know, like I don't know whether this is the case." You he's know? like, "Is she?" He's like, "She's there, and you know exactly where she is." Is it? Could it be that she doesn't? He that Mistborn can't kill her, and I mean, it works perfectly. I mean, the, it, it, it's a complete turn on turn on his head, but essentially he says like, "Vin is will kill everyone if he doesn't let her go. Let let him go." Yeah, and he says if he ever dies. By anyone's blade, like he even like insinuates, it doesn't even have to be yours. If he just dies, Vin's gonna come back and she's gonna wipe everyone out. And you know, you know, we get a Straff point of view here in a second, and he believes her after after feeling this. He believes everything. But while this is happening, and and Vin is manipulating Straff, Zane shows up behind Vin, and they're talking it out and. Zane's like, oh, so I see that he is using you and he is going to have you kill everyone. And, and Vin's like, he's bluffing. Like, he wouldn't actually ever do that, you know? And she keeps turning and saying, like, he's bluffing. That's not real. This is whatever. And Zane's like, well, you know, you're being used. And I don't know how else to convince you other than right now. And you're you're too smart to not see how you're being used right now. And she is like, actually, like, yeah, she sees it. She sees how she's getting used in this case how she's a, a a weapon right and zane is leaning over her with his arm out and she looks down and his arms are full of scars and and she looks at it and goes wait those white scars those are scars from the pits of hassan and he looks up at her and he just says like you know see you later and leaves and She's just torn apart by that, but Straff lets them go, and we get a Straff point of view. And we see it. He is scared. We learn that his Chondra that's in, in the, inside the palace had given him all the information on what their plan was to fake appearing weak and everything. So, like, that plan would have worked if he didn't have that information. That's why every time it caught him and Ellen saw it caught his attention, he had to consistently remind himself... They're faking. They're feigning. They're feigning. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what Ellen kept noticing. That's why he kept saying, "Why isn't this working? I should have been able to play him like a like a fiddle." And it turns out he had good information. And he's like, "Well, Zane, Zane's there." He goes, "Zane, I need you to kill kill her." And Zane's like, "You know, it's going to be really hard. I don't even know if I can do it. I'm going to need a strike team." And he's like, "Of what?" He goes, 
of the reserves and 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 zane's like oh, okay well or straps like okay we'll do it we'll do it and he goes do you want us to attack the city and uh and straff thinks about it and goes no we we can't attack the city while she's alive because he he believes the threat he's like she might not be able to repel our armies and we might even be able to crush the city but i know them and i send my army towards them she's gonna come straight for me and so he's like no we can't do that until she's dead and uh yeah you know we learned though that straff has a bunch of mistresses right we've known this he's a pretty he gets around but it's for a practical reason he's trying to get a bunch of alamancers and he eventually was trying to get a mistborn and that's why zane exists I mean, that and when, when Zane points out they need the reserves, it's because they need secret Alamancers, and those are all of, you know... His children. His children. Um, But yeah, so we go back to Ellen's point of view, and he's super excited that they did it, that they got one up on his father, but Vin is sad, and we know why. Vin is the knife, and she, for the first time, I think Zane actually pushed through, and she saw it. She's getting used, and it doesn't make it any better that ellen once he comes out is talking to the group all excited about what they did and he looks back and goes we failed to see that we had the greatest weapon in our possession and points straight at vin Mm -hmm. and ellen this entire time is so like emotionally dense here because he he notices something's wrong but he cannot piece together what could have possibly gone wrong couldn't read the room at all but the group is like you know we need to, uh, you know, we we need we should celebrate, but we should go back to the palace to celebrate. So Ellen's like, all right, let's do it. And Ellen gets into the carriage, and he notices that Dachshund gets into the carriage with him. He's never done that before. Ellen straight up points it out. He's always gone in a different carriage than Ellen. And I'm like, oh boy, what could this mean? And Dachshund hands him a, a letter. He reads it. The assembly has voted in favor of the no confidence clause. Ellen was removed as king, and that's the end of part two. Oh boy! Oh boy! We get to jump straight into twenty eight, though. <laughs> you know, lucky, lucky, lucky! It fell in such a way that we couldn't end it on a part like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, we go straight into twenty eight. That's a hell of a way to end a end a part there. Indeed. So we open up into chapter twenty eight with Tendril just tearing into Ellen, like, "No offense, Your Majesty, but this is the stupidest thing I've." ever seen what kind of leader consolidates power and then writes in a way for, for his peers to get rid of him and we, we get it you know we get to see ellen's like views of how politics should be you know they should have the right to do that we don't want to have a tyrannical leader like the lord ruler you know ruling forever and tindwell's like you know what that's that's ignorant <laughs> It's a noble, it's a noble idea. It's a nice little thought, um, but it's, uh, it's it's a dumb idea, is what it is. Because she basically tells him, like, listen, like, I think what she's trying to say at this point is, bad people, if they got power, are going to keep it no matter what. All you did was just give them the ability to remove a good person out of power, mm-hmm. and that's what just happened. And Ellen's like, you know, funny enough, Ellen tells her to shut up and sit down, and she does it because you know, I think Vin points out, you know. Tendril, you can't be mad at teaching him to be assertive and then be upset when he's assertive assertive with you. And he's like, no, we're not going. Because like the squad was like, dude, it's crazy. Even Dachshund at this point, which we've seen Dachshund kind of have a rocky relationship with Ellen. They're all behind his, they're they're all backing him up. 
they're talking about how like they're like clubs is straight up like i control the armies and i say you're king so what do they say yes and tendril's like he's like he's like it's whoever controls the armies controls the kingdom and tendril's like right and exactly. ellen's like i'm not gonna do that yeah ellen's like i'm not gonna do it this way i wrote these laws in i know them better than anyone else i'm gonna go ahead and get my king my 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 crown back through the legal means and Vin's like, well, you know, it's dumb, but that's Ellen, and I like, I like how sincere Ellen is, you know. And so, and the, I think it says, and for the first time ever, Vin confidently said that Ellen is making a better king than Kelser ever would have been. And she does the first time she means it. So pretty big here, um, pretty pretty interesting stuff, you know. I think at one point, one thing that's really funny is, is Vince like scratching Orsor's ears as this is happening, and Orsor's like, "Mistress, I I don't know how I feel about this." <laughs> that yeah, that was a little that was kind of a funny thing between them. But um, yeah, so the group's like, "Fine, let's do it. Uh, let's work together and get this done." And uh, you know, Ellen makes a very valid and intellectually sound point when Tendul tries to speak up against him again. You know. You know, granted, she's saying your majesty now she's being respectful after being put in her place. But she again comes right out and says, this is stupid. And he goes, think about it. You know, think about it. This isn't a coincidence. This is happening right now when we've been we've dug it. We've been dug into this siege now for several for almost two months. I think it was like six weeks or something like that. We've been dug into the siege for almost two months now. It's no coincidence that they're trying to get rid of me now because what's most likely happened is they've learned that they can't get rid of me through assassins thanks to Vin. So what's the other way they're going to get rid of me? And Breeze is like, this sounds like a set thing to do. You know, whatever this is, this sounds like a set thing to do. And everyone's like, oh, that makes sense. And so she, he goes, Tendril, sit down. We're still fighting the fight. I've not given up. This is just the next, like, level of, of 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 the siege essentially they can't break us physically they can't break us without losing themselves they can't kill me in the night they have to find a way to get rid of me and this is the only way they can so he spins that really well i still agree with tendril he was dumb but uh, <laughs> he spins it pretty well here and and saves a lot of face but uh anyway tendril's like all right well i'm gonna go now and the group's like, well, we need Sazed. We should go wake him up. And, Sazed, and she's like, well, Sazed's sleeping from his journey. You know, he needs to rest to keep her thing. And Ham goes, oh, he's storing up some stuff at his metal mines. And Tendril just turns around. And it's the, you know, you know, spoilers for Attack on Titan. But there's a certain character who became a meme for looking over someone's shoulder. That is Tendril <laughs> <Yeah>. right now. <laughs> yeah. Just looking back at Ham like, he told you about that. Mm. <laughs> and Breeze stands up for... Stands up for Tindwell, starts soothing her, and, or stands up for Sazed and starts soothing Tindwell. And it's like, listen, like, last, you know, you might be really angry at him for not listening to y'all, but all we see is a person who disobeyed you, yet doesn't it sting? Doesn't it make you feel bad that him disobeying you resulted in freedom for your people? Mm-hmm. And yeah, he, he goes out on a limb there for, but uh, it this scene kind of ends with Vin going, you know, Ellen is the same man as I've known from the very beginning. He's still there. I see it. And we switch to an Ellen's point of view. And he's like, man, I wrote this law well, way too well. You know, this is a little bit of time later. I wrote this law way too well. Tendril comes in and apologizes sincerely for, for the way she spoke out. 
and he remembers one of her teachings and is like, all right, I can't say it's okay. I have to recognize that it's, that it is a fault and needs to be stopped, but I am allowed to accept an apology. So he accepts the apology and Tindril's like, ah, you're learning quickly. And they have that whole little dance about it. But, um, essentially she spills the beans about Vin and goes, listen, Vin doesn't feel worthy of you. And Ellen's like, that's nonsense. He's like, well, you, you know, you obviously don't know teenage girls. And he's like, well, yeah, that's, that's a given. He goes, he goes, how do you know? He goes, well, she goes, well, I'm a mother. And we're like, wait, what? Tendril has daughters. And, uh, she's like, yeah, I do. And, uh, I'm kind of afraid right now because it seems you care way more about Finn than you do about your people. And that's the end of the chapter. Yeah. So like you said, we got to be able to jump right into it. Um, so I, I had said even back in on my earlier uh, chapters or my I think even at the during our spoiler episodes of Final Empire, uh, which don't go listen to because they always have they always have full Cosmere spoilers. Cosmere wide spoilers. Um, but they uh, I was talking about when Ellen loses the kingdom. It almost when I first read it, it seemed weird to me. Like it seemed like he had really good ideas. He was really knowledgeable. He had everything set up for him and everyone. And it was just like kind of a strange thing that he was set up as, oh, he's going to fail because, you know, there are some more experienced people around. But this was actually very well set up in Final Empire. Um, in Final Empire, he is constantly set up as someone who knows a whole bunch of stuff and know and reads a lot of books but is flabbergasted when the real world is thrown at him. When he first finds out, like he talk, starts talking about the, the ska, he asks, like, "Oh, how are the plantation ska? You know, can they? Do they think like regular people?" And it's because he's never met them; he's only read about them. And there are all, so many other instances where it's the same thing. The one time in Final Empire where his book reading actually came in handy was when he goes to Dachshund and says, "Listen, I've." learned about i've read about all the rebellions and if you guys don't get a hold of these people you're going to lose your army and they're just going to start killing everyone and you're going to have no allies and nothing to and nothing to be set in place and he was absolutely right and so he was able to set up a good government and he had well-meaning you know laws and he seemed to actually be doing things rather effectively and he had a lot of knowledge into how to do it but when the real world came in, everyone just started gumming things up for him. And so him losing the king, the starting to lose his crown, essentially, was actually very well set up from the first book. Yeah, that's something you pointed out to me from the beginning of when we started The Final Empire. We started doing a lot of this rereading. You, you, you know, off mic would tell me this consistently. And man, I, I'm so amazed I missed the groundwork that was laid for Ellen's character. And a lot of times, I, I will, again kind of avoid reddit too you know mm -hmm. they do a, a little bit better job but sometimes spoilers can sneak through on those too but i was i've been reading posts about people who have talked about not liking ellen's character and thinking that it felt and kind of voicing the same thing as you did that you know some of the stuff we've seen so far in book two feels like it comes out of nowhere and i always think back to what you say and it's kind of interesting because a lot of people in the comments seem to agree with you they'll go no no if you read back and you just kind of look at what happened in book one, it's actually kind of laid out pretty dang well. Yeah. What happens. It's it's just funny. Cause I guess the reason I, I again, because I had a big gap between reading Well of, uh, well of Ascension and The Final Empire. I had to convince you. It was so difficult. Right, right. I was like, how are you stopping on book one? You, you're crazy. Um, because you can. But it's the <laughs> but because I had that big gap, 
the the second book doesn't really set Ellen up in that way. Like it kind of does. Like it's like, oh, look, he's struggling this and that. But I remember thinking, wasn't this guy like super smart and like had like a lot of power and had like a lot of respect? Like, why is everyone treating him so terribly here? And then I realized like, oh, one. Because he was a buffoon in the first book. He, he was not actually very well respected. He was understood to be powerful because he came from a powerful house. He was very, very smart, but he was also very, very naive. And that actually is showing up really, really, really well. Uh, and it explains why, you know, he ended up falling through here. Um, so I, I just thought that that was a really, really cool setup. The other thing, you know, we got to see was how they handled Straff. And Ellen played this really, really well. Because even Straff, because he left Straff no choice. Because he said, like, if you kill me, she'll kill you. If you try to use me as a bargaining chip, they have orders basically to kill me and to um, and not let you in. And there's nothing that you can do because if I show up with you at all, they have instructions to not open up the gates. And so you can't take me. You can't take her. You can't kill me or, you know, you can, but you, you will die, too. And how he uses the flex like her using Duralumin. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to um, completely crush it. Straff actually says, he said, if there was ever a feeling of death, I w- I, that's what I felt. You know, that's mm-hmm. why he stumbled when she crushed all of his emotions. He felt like everything just went blank. Yeah, I, I, I like to think about like, you know, it's kind of hard to even imagine that, right? Imagine that there's literally just nothing going on. Well, and that's what was funny is that I was I would have expected, I, I think it's really, really fascinating that he did she did that because she could have just rioted like, fear and made him so like you know so scared like he never experienced something like that but she didn't she just crushed everything so i think it was the idea right when ellen started calling these out to her and she started she caught on really quickly and started doing what he kind of what he wanted there the thing that he i think he learned about straff right is the only one who you know no one loves straff like straff left straff you know no one Mm -hmm. likes kanye like kanye loves kanye (laughs) um but like that idea right where it's just like he cared a lot about his own well-being, but the thing was, and you even see Straff at the end. Straff's like, "Bring me the girl, and you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take her because I like to have, like, I like to feel like I'm in control." You know, he literally says, "I need to feel like I'm in control again," because he didn't, and that's, I think, what was more devastating than just rioting fear from him was he. She was so good at what she did with flaring and derailment that he, knowing she was manipulating his emotions could not stop her from changing what he felt right and And that's what scared him that loss of control but it's just this is really good strategy on ellen's part i mean he had already thought up all the reasons and it it makes sense like he would think this up because he knows he knows his father but it was just a really you know it's good strategic move on his part to be able to pull vin out like this now vin is struggling with the whole idea of like you know I he, she just a cap a chapter or two ago said oh Ellen would never tell me to kill someone and then all of a sudden she's he's using her as you know maybe bait but saying like yeah she would totally kill you guys if you couldn't come out and get it so she's toying with this idea of being a tool being a toy and Zane you know stokes that stokes those fears um, by basically saying well yeah he's just using you that's why what he that's how he sees you. And she's kind of dealing with that. Dude, Zane, Zane having the scars, right? Like when I first read the, read this, you know, and just like now, honest response to this. 
are those scars legitimately from the piss of half sin mm. or are they from him cutting himself and it just looks similar so it's from cutting himself and that's it, what i that's what i assumed and and i may be wrong because when i saw that i remember thinking oh he he's gonna at some point reveal that you know or, or show that it wasn't it wasn't from the pits i don't think it's ever brought up again i don't know if it is it it, it might get brought up again but uh it is confirmed that those scars were from him cutting himself um mm. because the of the voices in his head yeah i mean we saw him cut himself a couple you know like 10 chapters ago was it whatever the last you know when he was having dinner with straff the first time but that's one thing i like you know i want to point out even to our listeners now too is there are legit things that we never caught on our first read through. That's one for me is I don't remember ever remember her looking at his scars and being like, are those from the pits of half sin? But I also think it was a clever way because um, I think it mentions that he has some scars, but and it's definitely shown that when he when he cuts himself. But I think it was clever that you know, that's how she noticed it. And I think it like. Will he- it helps her bond with him because I think mm-hmm. oh this is like Kelsier you know you are a misborn who went in, in into the pits and he just like didn't correct her he didn't <laughs> say a word yeah. he's just like uh bye and then, <laughs> yeah and that's the thing right that's what we're seeing this relationship develop you know between her and Zane so far is it's very much have been you know eh, I, I'm it feels weird at this point do you feel like it's romantic in any way because like the only hint I got of it being romantic was when she like was strictly was like he's nothing like Ellen. He's like actually assertive and like I, I, if puts it is, himself out there. If it is, I think it's one sided. I mean, it is because I think Vin is kind of like one sided as in Vin likes him. No, or, like Zane likes. I, I like. I don't. I don't get the feeling that's romantic from him at all. I don't know. The Zane's we, we, again. Zane's an interesting, weird guy, mm-hmm. um, and um, he has this. He clearly has this thing when it comes to Vin. Um, because like he could have probably totally killed her by now. Yeah, easily. Um, uh, but he instead is playing these games with her. Yeah. He 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 says it straight up though. Like in this one of these last chapters, we've just you know I think it was like this week we've gone through so far. It was he straight up says he's looking for a replacement to Straff because he hates Straff. He just can't kill him because Straff is sane, like he was saying. And he's like, if Vin could be that for me, something I could lean on that I could trust. He would betray Straff in, in an instant. Right. So I don't know if like romantic is the right way to say it, but it's definitely I just, like I just meant from Vin's point of view. A, a very yeah. From a Vin's point of view, I don't know. I, I think it's more I think it's more intriguing for her. Like she's again, she's she can't relate to anyone and she and this she is can someone to him. Right. Yeah. And he constantly is like slamming that in. He is doing the dentist method. Like he's going in here and <laughs> Oh, the dentist method. Um and he is like not an acceptable method for this podcast. But he but he's going in there and he's really like like trying to hammer home like mm-hmm. we are different from them. Dude, so far with the points he's making, like it's like that thing where it's like the the, the meme where it's the guy who's drinking the wine and he's just like when the bad guy low key's making really good points and you're like, "Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. And and I mean, he's he's right. Like like she she is going to be used. She is going to be seen as a tool. She, you know, Alan it makes me so mad he's just like look at the weapon we have but again this is but but if you look at it from his point of view she hasn't brought this up at all as far as Mm -hmm. we can tell she the only thing like we are seeing it from uh from yeah we saw her perspective but if we never saw that then we would just be like oh she seems really uncomfortable and weird for some reason i don't know why and it it makes perfect sense yeah. that he wouldn't know yeah it, it is the dramatic irony here it's killer <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly right exactly right 
but uh, yeah no there's there's a lot of cool things that happen i loved seeing like i love seeing dwindle like like tear into ellen for an obviously just stupid decision on his part and i think i i said it like early in the book too when i was thinking about it i was just like i get where he was coming from but like why would you ever if you're if you're the movement you're number one right you're the first leader that's breaking off from a cycle of tyranny and you're like i'm gonna give power to other individuals during this time is it not just common sense that maybe the the noblemen and people like that are like you're giving me an option to go back to the way it was except i don't have to answer the lord ruler sign me up for that well you can see this is one of those things where you're stuck because you have people who are really really brilliant but also you have someone who's naive, right? So you mm-hmm. got to straddle like, how could you possibly not make that mistake? But like he make he, and here's the thing, his explanation makes sense, but yeah. it also doesn't. Here's what I mean by that. He, it makes sense that he's like, I wanted to give someone the option so that if someone came into power and they were terrible, that there was a legal means of getting rid of them. Okay. That makes perfect sense. But you also have read above about like governments being formed and all this other stuff. Wouldn't you think that you would have written some way of you being able to hold power for just a little bit longer? That, like that's five what, years. That's what I meant. Just long enough for you to kind of like see that the, the new seeds that you have been putting out are actually taking root. Right. Then you can let you can it's give like, that option and let go of power. And he and he, he does. I don't know if it's here, but it will be mentioned about the laws that he wrote. And yeah, he, he mentions that they have laws that they're going to try to like, use but there is, door. there's a little bit here where if, um, basically if they, if he's able to keep it or whatever, then he has a whole year, basically. If they're, if they are unable to make a unanimous decision to get rid of him. 30 days. Right. Then, then he gets to keep, they can't basically retry him for a year. Right. So, I mean, that makes sense. So you, he thought about that, but you didn't think like, oh, well, I am also the unelected, on a you know kind of leader here maybe i should put a little bit of a cushion of time here now again the 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 you know the brainlit way of looking at it would be to say this is brandon giving us dramatic tension and we couldn't if he had written something like that in there that we couldn't have him being thwarted by his own stuff but i think the you know bigger explanation here is that Ellen is also a little bit full of himself and thought everyone's going to think I'm awesome. I'm going to be a good guy and everyone's going to see how nice of a guy I am. And there's no way they would want to depose me. Yeah. And they're, and they're going to be nice too. Right. And again, (laughs) this is his naivete. This is, this was all built up in the first book, how he was very smart, how he had very good intentions, how he could even be a good leader. Like people, he was charismatic and people could like be drawn to him. But he gets in his own way because he expects people to be as good as he is. Yeah. So there's this YouTuber that I, I go to for D&D advice. His YouTube channel is Matthew Colville, right? Matt Colville. And he has a really cool episode on where executive power comes from, where he uses Black Panther to explain it. Um, but essentially the gist is right is you don't have power unless the people in charge tell you you have power. And we saw that straight up here. Clubs was like, I don't care what they say. I have the army, and so if I say you're in charge, you're in charge. Actually, I, I saw an excellent, I think it was CCP Gray uh, video, which was essentially that. It was like, okay, let's pretend tomorrow you, you the person who is listening to this right now, you were 
you know, in charge of your country. You were the president, you were whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens when the general who controls all of the armies comes and says, you're no longer in charge? Oh, you're going to have to do something to make him happy. What happens when the person who controls all the finances and the money says decides you're not-, you're not in charge? Oh, you're going to have to do something to make him happy. And, and so on and so on and so forth. And it is that. It yeah. is. Matt, 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 Matt Colville points out that Black Panther does it perfectly. He talks about how when they two, the two kings fight to determine who's the leader, right? What ends up only mattering is that they he, that the, the, the king can convince the tribe leaders that, that he, he that the, he, he needs to be the king because then all the people look to their tribe leaders. Right. And in, in in, if anyone had just control and the ability to overthrow you, you're you're stuck. And so that's why you're constantly having to look over your shoulder and this is actually the point that Tendril made, you know, essentially, which was you put all these laws in place, but all someone has to do is do whatever illegal things they need to do to get you out of power. Um, yeah, and then some who's going to who's going to stop them? Even some of them suggested that. Right. I think I don't know if it was Breeze Ham or somebody, but they're just like, oh, whoever opposes you, they can just have an accident. Right. Well, and so I think Ellen's point was. I may I gave people legal ways to get rid of one so that way there wouldn't have to be bloodshed, which historic historically that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, but I do I just that was kind of a little inter- interesting tidbit that we we were going to nerd out about. But yeah, so well, I think the last thing I want to talk about here is Tyndall has daughters. That's weird, right? Don't well, don't she's th- a mother. Does she could have daughters or sons? I mean, okay, she, yeah, she could have both, but she strictly mentions, you know, of course I have daughters. Oh, like, that's cause right. Because when okay. she's saying, like, you know, you obviously don't understand teenage girls, Ellen Venture. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, yep, well, that's true. You got me there. But that's something that's super interesting to me, right? Because weren't, like, the way terrorists, curious people were, were bred, right? There was a program. So, like, she has she has kids? Were Was she, like, hidden? Did she have children in secret? Like, where is that coming from, you know? guess we'll find out i guess we'll find out hey everyone vod here please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes monday through friday if you enjoy listening consider subscribing we are a very small project so please support us with likes and comments you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash ontos that's patreon.com slash o-n-t-o-s thanks again and remember our sentience depends on you